You're listening to the Aim to Win podcast. I'm Wade Thomas, and I believe that every one of you has a wealth of potential just waiting to come out. And I'm here to help you reach that potential. So now, here's the Aim to Win podcast. Welcome to the Aim to Win podcast. I'm Wade Thomas, and today I am excited to have Sean Croxton on the pod. He's a writer, an entrepreneur, and prosperity teacher. His podcast, The Quote of the Day Show, is one of the top personal development podcasts on both Apple Podcasts and Spotify. He's also the creator of the Money Mind Academy, an eight-week course that will completely change your relationship with money. So welcome to the podcast, Sean. Thank you, Wade. I appreciate you having me here, man. Great to have you. And what I always like to start off with is if you can share with our audience your story, sort of how you got to where you are um, and where you're going. Oh, gosh, I'll try to give you the short version, Wade. I um, graduated from a California State University with a degree in kinesiology. I emphasized in fitness, nutrition, and health, and I became a personal trainer very shortly thereafter that, after that. And I found out that most of what I learned in college about fitness, nutrition, and health was absolutely wrong. And so a couple years into my career as a personal trainer, I, I really wanted to talk to people about all of this new stuff that I had learned that was completely opposite of what the government tells you and the food guy pyramid and such. And so this really cool thing called YouTube had just started back in 2007-ish. So I started just making videos and was able to grow a very successful holistic health uh, business through YouTube and through podcasting. I started my first podcast, Underground Wellness Radio, in 2009 when almost nobody was doing podcasting, right? And uh, again, I grew into a pretty successful or very successful business. Then in, uh, about seven years into that, I decided like, eh, you know, this, this season of my life is over and I have this love for something else uh, called personal development because I really believe that my clients, when I was in the health space, the ones who got better the fastest were the ones with the best attitudes. And so I really wanted to go to a deeper layer and study personal development, took some time off, started a new podcast, interviewed some amazing experts and authors. And then because I'm really like, I'm really obsessive, man. Like if I do something, I have to do it really well, really well. And uh, I would take 20, 30, 40 hours a week to get ready for one podcast interview. And I came up with this idea one day and, and doing that, the, the interviews were amazing, right? People would be like, oh my gosh, this is the best interview I've, I've ever given before. But at the same time, it was a lot of work. And um, so I had this idea one day, I was driving down the five and I was listening to this uh, comedy station on Sirius XM radio. And the comedy station plays short clips of comedy shows. And I'm sitting in the car going, if there was a station that played nothing but clips of motivational talks, I would listen to that thing all day. And so it just clicked and I was like, cool, let's start up this podcast. We call it the quote of the day show. And I take these short clips from motivational talks that I grab off of YouTube and people wake up Monday through Friday, they get their daily dose of inspiration and killing it, doing over a million listens per month. And I'm, I'm really happy about it. It's really cool to be able to see and hear about all the transformations that take place because of the show. Yeah, that's, that's really the exciting part, isn't it? Is seeing how people are, are impacted and, and seeing how that changes. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing, man. It, it shows you that you're having an impact in this world. You know, and I think that's what we're here for. We're here to serve, you know, we're here to make people's lives better. And so that's, that's what I've always been about. And, and it just really makes me feel good when I get the emails or I do something and, you know, somebody's on our Zoom call and they're like, oh my God, like I, 
I was a different person before I landed on your show. Like that really makes me feel good. That makes me feel like I'm living my purpose and I'm doing the right thing. That's awesome. I love that. So you, you originally started off on a different path, you know, the, uh, the kinesiology and the, um, the nutritional path. And you made that leap into personal development. Talk about what that was like for you. What was it like to kind of just jump from something that you've been training for a long time to do into something that you felt was more your calling? It was, it wasn't that hard really, you know? It was a multi-million dollar business, underground wellness. And everybody thought I was crazy. They're like, you're shutting this down? Like, you've got the dream. This is what everybody wants. You're the top 5% of everybody in the health space. Like, what are you doing? But I'm the kind of guy who, if I'm not fully into something, I'm not just going to do it because it makes me money. You know, I never want to feel trapped like that. And I remember people would come onto my podcast and I'd be like, oh, like, I don't want to read this book. I don't want to read this health book. Like how many different ways can we say just eat real food? You know what I mean? Like it's just, it just started, started to just not feel right. And so for me, I knew from building up underground wellness and developing skills on YouTube, developing skills as a writer, developing skills as a podcaster, that I had the skills and the talent to be able to transfer that over to the personal development space and grow something equally powerful, equally big, if not bigger. So I knew I could do it. The only thing that I was wrong about was that I assumed that all of my health followers, I mean, there were 230,000 people on my email list, that all of my health followers would like come over to the personal development thing. That was not the truth. I was wrong on that one because a lot of them stopped opening emails. A lot of them sent emails back to me like, I wish you would go back to this. I don't like this, right? And so it took a while. It was about a two-year process of, you know, um, cleaning the email list. So I really had a good understanding of who I was writing to. Like my writing was a little off for two years. I was like, oh, I was trying to like, write for the health people and for the personal development people at the same time. Looking back, I should have never done that. I should have been like, this is my target avatar. Who, here's how I'm going to write. And whoever wants to um, opt out certainly can. They're welcome. So it was a process. It was a little bit harder than I thought it would be. But, you know, now things are, are going really well, man. I can't complain. I'm doing what I love and it helps a lot of people. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. So, so you end up focusing in on one avatar and you had to leave the other one behind. Yeah. Um, how'd you, how'd you wrap your mind around that? <clears throat> um, you know, it was more, I didn't really feel like there was a whole process of wrapping my mind around it. The only challenge that I had was the writing part. And just like, part of me was like, oh my God, there's 200,000 people here. We don't want to lose them all. You know, we want to be able to coax somebody or, or some of these people to, to, to join me in this new endeavor. But after a while, I just knew that that wasn't going to be the case for a lot of people. And so it's okay for them to move on. Like, here's the person I want to help. And if that's not you, then you got to go. And it just really was, was, was that simple. You know, you're not on the team. You got to go. If you unsubscribe, you're not part of my tribe. And, and that's really it. I try to keep things as simple as I possibly can. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Very good. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Cause that's a, that's a pretty, you know, exciting jump to make. And I think you see that with a lot of entrepreneurs and the sort of in the thought space or in the, you know, you're selling your expertise, your wisdom, and you start off, you know, being a good entrepreneur is all about um, changing course and learning as you go. And so, you know, a lot of times you start down one path and then you have to, you switch it because something else calls to you. And, and so that's a great example of how you're able to migrate that switch. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was able to do it. I, I knew I would be able to do it. I had no doubt that it was going to be successful. And I think that's really what it's about. It's it's about mindset, man. Entrepreneurship is mostly about mindsets. And I teach another course. Actually, I just piloted the piloted the course um, this past month called Entrepreneur Academy. And mm-hmm. you know, it's just showing people that entrepreneurship is about strategy and avatar and product design and and distribution and all of those things but at the same time you can't really carry those things out if you don't have it going on right up here you know if your mind is not the entrepreneurial mind um it's probably not going to work out so well you know there's this i stumbled upon these books a couple years ago um there's a guy named gene landrum you ever heard of gene landrum i have not Man, you would freaking love these books, man. You would love his books. There's um, like Profiles of Power and Success was the first one I read. There's uh, The Eight Keys to Greatness. There's Entrepreneurial Genius. There's Profiles of Female, Female Genius. And so what he does is he looks at all of these successful people, a lot of them entrepreneurs, and looks for their common traits. He's a Jungian psychologist, also co-founder of Chuck E. Cheese, by the way. And he found that all of these entrepreneurs have these specific traits. And it's so funny because I had a clip of Gary Vaynerchuk on the show a few weeks ago, and he said something interesting. I'm not sure if I fully believe this, and it'd be a really good conversation to have with you. He says, and he was teaching, he was actually talking at USC's School of Entrepreneurship. And he says this, and I really want to get your thoughts. He says, I don't believe that entrepreneurship can be taught. I believe that it's who you are. He's like, I'm the way I am because I was raised to have a lot of self-esteem, right? And it was kind of the same for me. Like I was raised in an entrepreneurial environment. So one of the traits that Gene Landrum writes about is there was typically for most entrepreneurs, successful entrepreneurs, there was a parent who was self-employed. So the child got to like build these neural pathways of what that looks like to be self-employed as opposed, as opposed to having two parents who actually went to a nine to five job. I'll give you another one. Um, a lot of them had uh, parents that encouraged their children to go out into the world and explore without worrying about failure, right? Just to go out there because you know a lot of us are stuck with that fear of the unknown and it keeps us from doing entrepreneurial things. We're afraid of failure as well. But when you get that programming as a child that it's okay to fail, like that's how you learn. It's okay to explore. You're not gonna be punished for it. Then the mindset is different. And on the road of entrepreneurship, where most entrepreneurs, I'll say hmm, 90% of them because of most entrepreneurs fail, when you hit that first obstacle, one person looks at it as, there's something wrong with me. I am wrong. This is too much for me. I'm going to go back to square one or I'm going to quit. Whereas somebody else who's raised differently is going to go, oh, this is just an obstacle. It's cool. You know, this is life. Let's just kind of keep rolling. There's an attitude. What are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, I guess what he says has a lot of merit if you believe in a fixed mindset. Right. You know, but if you believe in the fact, if you believe in mindsets can shift, totally. mindsets do it, which I do. I do believe that mindsets shift a lot. And I do believe you can through 
so the way the mind works is you build habits over time. That's what he's referring to, right? So your mind, your neurons connect to each other and they build these deep, you know, troughs in your brain. But you can also build new ones. And so you, by, you can't just decide one night, day, you're going to have a mindset. But you can decide you're heading down a path and you can work that mindset. You can practice it and you can use it and try it and experiment. And over time, that will become your new way of thinking. Right. And all time. Those habits, it's going to take time. Those habits, there's also a habit of self-image, how you see yourself. Like how you see yourself, that box is like the box of possibility for you. Anything that's outside of that box is kind of like out of the boundary. It's going to be really hard to get it because you don't see yourself that way. And as I was thinking about this, after I've read all of these books and I've done you know, quite a bit of consulting with entrepreneurs, some who have done really well, some of who have totally just flopped, right? Um, it makes me wonder, like, the entrepreneurial courses that are taught and the way that entrepreneurs are actually going about becoming better entrepreneurs, like doing the tactics, doing the strategies, like here's the steps for building your business. Are they really going to be able to really do that consistently without quitting if they don't work on their mind first? No, mine has to come first. I, I believe that wholeheartedly. And that, that comes out in uh, every bit of training I do. Good, man. I love that. Yeah. And, and you know, I, going back to the kind of the mindset, you know, I was, I came out of a family of four, um, two parents, uh, you know, one parent worked nine to five all the time. The other parent alternated between staying at home and working nine to five. Um, my brother and I are both entrepreneurs today. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, you know, you know, how does that happen? Right. And we both went to the corporate world first and, yeah, um, yeah. but mindsets change. And oh, totally. Let's start there. Yeah. You, know, you have to wrap your mind around it and, and that's why I think a lot of people struggle when they try to keep a foot in both worlds. What do you mean by that? So when they try to do the side hustle and, mm. uh, you know, and still be in the corporate world, they haven't completely shifted that mindset yet. Mm. And so they can have some success. Um, but you see what happens when their businesses really pop is when they really step away from, you know, the nine to five type mon- mindset and really embrace the entrepreneurial and practice it. Yeah. Develop that that way of thinking. That's mm. when you see businesses explode. Yeah. It's hard to do though, man. Like to to quit the nine to five if you don't have enough money saved up. That's right. It's really hard to move out of the ninety five nine to five into entrepreneurship. But um yeah, I, I hear you, man. It's all about mindset and I want more entrepreneurs to to understand that because I think that entrepreneurs tend to go straight to, you know, such and such as course. And following such and such as steps that such and such thinks made them successful. But I'm gonna give you an example, and I love her to death. She's amazing, like Marie Forleo's course. A lot of people take it. I'm an affiliate for her course, you know, and I, I have these extra bonuses for them and all and such. And um, she, her mother taught her that everything is figure outable. So yeah. she had that early programming, like no matter what it is, you can figure it out. You know, I was reading a book, a little mini book by Frank Kern a few months ago, and his grandfather is rich. And his grandfather always told Frank, you can do whatever you put your mind to, you know? And so I'm just like, how many people are taking these courses without the mindset, without understanding that what makes Frank Kern tick? What makes Marie Forleo tick? What makes Gary Vaynerchuk tick? What makes them do this program 
you know, as opposed to like, okay, here's what Frank did. I'm going to go do that. But at some point I'm probably going to sabotage myself because I don't have the mind. Yeah. Yep. It's so huge. You know, that's why, you know, understanding that mindset is the biggest part. Everything after that's technical learning, right? Right. And, And so, you know, I have a program that's coming out very soon and that's exactly where we start. We start building that mindset and then we layer in, here's the skills that you need. Yes. So here's the marketing skills, the strategy skills, the finance skills. And, yeah. but you can't progress to those points until you get the mindset straight. Yeah. You're doing it right, man. I like what you're doing. You're definitely doing it right. Totally. So, so talk a little about the, uh, the money mind Academy. Oh man, Money Mind Academy is my baby. Um, I'm in the last day of a launch right now. I'm super happy to to help these folks. And um, you know, that, going back to entrepreneurs, you know, the purpose of running a business is to serve people, but it's also to turn a profit. But if you don't like money, you're never going to turn a profit. You cannot. This is what this is like. I always tell people to write this down. You cannot earn, save, or invest money that you won't allow yourself to have. And that's the thing. We have this programming from from birth almost that has told us particular programmed us with particular beliefs about money. And a lot of these are conscious and also subconscious. What are they? Um, Money is the root of all evil. Rich people are greedy and miserable. Money doesn't grow on trees. Money's scarce. Maybe you saw your parents fight about money all the time and you made it mean from a child's perspective that money makes parents fight and maybe money makes parents get divorced and a lot of this stuff gets stuff gets programmed in the mind and these beliefs are never re-examined as an adult and so we go our whole lives running this cycle of okay january 1st i'm gonna crush it you know i'm gonna make such and such amount of money january 17th forgotten all about it December 31st, maybe I'm going to set this goal again. And we do it over and over and over again, because here's the thing, man, as entrepreneurs and just as people in general, we run what's called a conflict where we have a goal. I want to make a hundred thousand dollars a year. That's a conscious like goal that you have from your prefrontal cortex. But we also have this fear-based wiring that says, I want to make a hundred thousand dollars and have people think of me as a greedy, miserable person and fight with my spouse and on and on. And people don't realize that they have this programming. And so what I do is I help them to identify what the beliefs are, what are the fears they're having, how to manage their feelings, which which is huge, how to change their focus, how to shift their self image as well. So they become the person who has the money. And the thing is, man, you know, we have certain individuals in the, and this, I, I love them. They're, they're phenomenal. They know what they're talking about in the personal finance space. You know, we have the Dave Ramseys, we have the um, on and ons, right? But they're teaching the doing part, which is great, but they're not teaching the being part. It's be, do, have. And you're never going to follow through on the doing stuff if you're not the kind of person who does the things that you need to do. A question that I asked, and I got this from Daryl Rutherford, who wrote an amazing book called, So Why Aren't You Rich? Recently passed away. He says, if money were no longer a problem, who would you be being, right? Who would you be being? And most people say, I'll be being more confident. I'd be being more authentic. I'd be being more generous, so on and so forth. However, the money programs out there teach you 
do have B. Do these steps, have this abundance, and you'll be more confident and you'll be more giving and you'll be more this. It's upside down, it's the wrong way around. You got to become those things on your way to having what you want because you get who you are. Does that make sense? Yeah, you gotta, you gotta picture what that future looks like after you have. And when you, and you start behaving that way, then, then things happen. Yes, Absolutely. and people see it completely different though. And yeah. this is why a lot of people don't have the success that they really wanna have when they do these programs. You know, I, I call it, um, you know, what people typically hear, I, I call it prosperity via constriction. You know, and I, the analogy I came up with the other day before I taught this class was, you know, imagine there's a hose in front of your house and this hose has all kinds of kinks in it, right? And it's the only source of water you're ever going to have. So you turn the water on and the water just kind of dribbles out. And you're like, oh man, like what's going on? You call up the water guy and the water guy comes over and he says, whoa, you, you definitely got a water hose problem. Um, here's what I need you to do because we're not sure when this water is going to run out. I need you to go buy some buckets. I need you to keep that bucket under this hose so you can pick up every little dribble of water that comes out. And what I need you to do is get a big freezer and I want you to start freezing this water for another day for later on in your life. But here's the thing, it's really important. I only want you to drink when you're really freaking thirsty because we gotta save this. And again, we don't know when it's gonna run out. Now, if that happened, you'd be like, what? Like, I would say to, to this water guy, I'd be like, that makes no sense. Why don't we just open up those kinks, right? So the abundance of water can flow through. And that's what I mean by the personal finance gurus just teaching, the, teaching you the doing part without helping you to understand and remove the mental blocks that are pushing money away. Yeah. So that's what I do. We open up those kinks. We identify those limiting beliefs. We identify the fears. We identify the friendships that are holding you back. Open those up and now you enjoy the abundance instead of taking shorter showers and skipping your lattes and doing the cutting your cable, cutting your Netflix, which helps. But honestly, at the same time, Wade, life pretty much sucks when you do that. And your, your life sucks so much because you're like, damn, I want a latte. And damn, I want to watch the game, but I can't have cable because I'm trying to save for my emergency fund. You start going a little bit nuts and you start to save up a little bit, little, little bit of money. And what do you do to make yourself feel better? You take that shit to the mall and you spend it all to make yourself feel better. And then you're back at square one. It makes no sense when you think about it. It's like a really strict diet. Yes. Know? And so, yeah, so when you get off it, you just go crazy and you put yourself right back where you are. So that's yeah. so true about having to change that mindset that be, you know, who you want to be and then work on the root causes of what's holding you back as opposed to, you know, trying to be something you're not. Totally. I call it financial being. The gurus teach you financial doing. I call it financial being. Let's do this stuff first and then everything else gets easy. Because you're no longer pushing money away. You're no longer starving yourself. You're no longer, it's not 100 degrees in your house, but you're saying, no, we can't turn on the AC because it's going to cost too much money. Like, no, you can live your life and open up these mental blocks and then just let it rain money and goodness all over your life because you're no longer pushing it away. That's what Yeah, I and you know, it, it's interesting in the corporate world, you know, one of, the, one of the things they used to talk about there was you really can't save your way or cut your costs to prosperity. No. 
<laughs> you know, it's a finite, it's a finite pool when you try to look at it that way. Yeah. Yeah. But the personal finance gurus teach us that and it doesn't work, man. That's why 70% of the country is living paycheck to paycheck. It's yeah. why only, I think it's 13% of the country actually feels comfortable about their retirement. That's 87% of the country who doesn't feel good about their retirement. It's no wonder we have an insomnia problem. It's no yeah. wonder we have an energy problem because this stuff is draining, but at the same time we can't sleep because tomorrow we don't know what's gonna happen. It's why when COVID hit, you know, most people had enough money saved up to last to next Wednesday. Like we need to change our mindset around money and stop calling it um, greedy and evil and all this stuff because money is like oxygen. Try to survive without it. You can't yeah, you know, do it. Yeah, you know, and I actually talked to quite a few people because I, I work with a lot of people that help people. And you, not only is money like oxygen, but money is also what enables you to help people. Yes. If you don't have money, how much longer are you going to help people before you're going back to doing whatever it is you did before just to survive? Yeah. yeah. And by the way, when you have more money, you can use that money to help more people. Yeah. Uh, T. Harv Ecker was on the, the podcast recently. I think it was last week. And he says, if you're broke, who are you helping? Really? Who are you helping? Like we can, you know, there, there's this uh, hashtag on social media right now. It's called eat the rich, right? It's like yeah. eat the rich, like the rich are the ones who are contributing to the building of hospitals. The rich are the ones who are giving money to the schools. The rich are the ones who are donating to the needy. The rich are the ones who are putting the most money in the donation basket at the church, right? They're the ones who are making change, but we should eat the rich. We should hate them for some reason when you're just complaining every day, but not putting your money anywhere. I don't understand who your social media post is helping, right? right. Anybody can do that. I understand awareness and that's great. Social media is great for that. But what are you doing besides complaining about it? Because if you had more money, you'd be able to feed more people. If you had more money, you'd be able to contribute to Black Lives Matter or whatever cause that you want to um, contribute to. But if you're broke, all you can do is just talk and complain on social media. And you can protest, that's fine. I'm all for a protest. Yo, you gotta bring some money to the table in order to really create change. Mother Teresa said something like, um, you want to make change in the world? It starts with your, like, bring your checkbook or something like that. You know, she knew that those flights she took around the world cost money. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's so important. I wish more people really got that. Yeah. But, but really what it is, it's focused on, it's focusing that energy on the have, right? So we're, we're any, so we're going to have this negative energy towards people that have, and really yeah. we ought to be focusing on the be. Yeah. You know, right? Because what are they when they have that money? Now, if they're using that money for evil or for whatever, then that creates an issue, right? Yes. It, it, but it's not because they have the money. It's who they are that is they the are. issue, not yeah. the have. Yes, exactly. I love that point. And it's also a matter of, uh, you know, I'm not sure if you're familiar with NLP, but generalizations, yeah. distortions, deletions, like, if you believe all rich people are greedy, that is a generalization. And what it does is it removes choice. It removes a choice to be rich and generous, to be rich and kind, because you essentially put everybody into the same basket. You say, all of you are like this. Well, if all rich people are like this, then number one, you're never going to be financially stable in your life because your brain is going, I don't want to be one of them. Like, why would you even want to do that? That doesn't make any sense. 
And so one thing we do in Money Mind Academy is we have these, these six questions. And, you know, one of them is, are all people, are rich people greedy? And of course, the, everybody in class goes, no, 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 no. And if all rich people were greedy, how would you know? Did you talk to them? You know, do you know them personally? Like, how do you know this? Oh, because my dad told me when I was five. Oh, really? Okay, right? Or another one is like, you can't be rich and spiritual. I go, okay, so all people can't be rich and spiritual? They go, okay, that, that's not true. And then I go, well, wait, who do we go to for our spiritual guidance? Tony Robbins, Lisa Nichols, John Martini, Bob Proctor, Marianne Williamson, Gabrielle Bernstein, Eckhart Tolle, Oprah Winfrey. What do they all have in common? They're all rich. And they go, oh, that's true. And I go, yeah, well, we can't go around saying you can't be rich and spiritual at the same time when our spiritual guides are all rich. doesn't make any sense. So what I call that is cracking the categories because your brain has put everything into a bucket around money and it's made it into a category. But when you ask some very simple questions, it puts cracks into that categories and it leaves space for you to choose the and. I can be rich and spiritual. I can be rich and kind. I can be rich and generous. That choice is up to me. Right, and that's, that's so true. And, um, and I think you're right, you know, bringing NLP into that because it does become a self-fulfilling prophecy when you go too far and you remove those choices and too much generalization. And it happens all over the world, not just when it comes to money. Yeah. Anytime you have a generalization, you eliminate a choice. Yep. Yep. Uh, Thing about it is you create a filter for how you see the world and yeah. you're just proving yourself right over and over and over again. The brain is a confirmation machine. If you have a belief, if you have a generalization, your brain will just find ways to prove yourself right over and over again because your ego doesn't want to be wrong so right. if you believe money is bad you believe people with money are bad you believe you're not deserving and worthy of having more money in your life you will always create reasons and you'll create scenarios and you'll see reasons and you'll see scenarios that keep you right where you are confirming what you believe yeah yeah absolutely it's uh the, and but the flip side of that is the brain will also reject anything that comes in that does not yeah, so you can't see the opportunities I see opportunities all the time. You see opportunities all the time. But for somebody else who doesn't have that same mindset, who has a different set of beliefs, they can't even see the opportunities. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's phenomenal what the subconscious will do to hold you back if you allow it. Yes. And, you know, we, I talk a lot about that as well. It's just, you know, it's going to reject any piece of new information come in or it's going to, uh, <clears throat> it's going to reject it or it's not even going to come in or it's going to change it or distort it into something that works. And yep. uh, you have to fight that. Mm -hmm. it, it deletes and it distorts. It says, Oh, this doesn't match my programming. I don't want to see it. Oh, that rich people, that rich person gave a huge donation to that church. Oh, they must've just done it for publicity or for a tax break. How do you know that? Right. You know, you're just proving yourself, right? You're distorting what you see to prove yourself, right? When you become aware of that, I think the whole game changes because you can stop that neural network from firing. And over time, it starts to prune away and you build something new. Like I used to be the guy who would roll up to somebody in the, in the G wagon and be like, oh, this evil person, they're miserable and they probably stole their money to get that G wagon. Da, 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 da. Now I roll up on, now for a while, I was the one with the G wagon. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I just got tired of putting gas into it. So now I have an electric car. But you know, I, I, I was that guy who was asking those same questions like, 
who did he steal from or who did she steal from to get that? Like, nah, man, you're just creating truth. That's not even true. It's weird. We got to stop. It's not weird. It's actually just human, but we just have to become aware of it. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I, I've gone along the same kind of journey, right, where I've been on both sides of the G-Wagon. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because my B didn't change. Your what changed? My B did not change. I was still who I was. Right. Yep. I, I didn't become evil. Right. But, and, and, I, and I didn't become, you know, I didn't start off different. It was. <laughs> you know, I've never had more door dings than I had when I wore my, when I had my G-Wagon. I never had such a hard time getting over in traffic as I had when I drove the G-Wagon. It yeah. is crazy the difference it makes. Yeah, it, it all comes back to that mindset and those, those blocks and, and really understanding. And from the other side of it, from your side of it, you know, understanding how important the B is. Yes. That's what you say. The, uh, the do and the have follow. Doing the half follow, you just have to make a decision to be somebody, and you got to get emotional about it because your brain won't change if it's not that big of a deal. If you have more rewards for failing than you have reasons for actually doing it, you're done. And the rewards for failing are like, hey, if you don't take action, or if you do take action, people are going to criticize you, they're going to condemn you, people are going to envy you, you're going to be preyed on by predators. You know, all of these things that our brain says, are, it's going to be super painful if we take any action. So you don't take any action because your brain's trying to avoid pain. But if you can make your why or your reason for succeeding bigger than those rewards for failing, that's where your ego goes, okay, I can get on board with this instead of my negative self-talk, typical resistant kind of self or existence. So we've got to get clear on exactly why we're doing the thing we're doing. And if we don't, it's simply just not going to work because your brain, your ego will win every time because it loves the status quo. It really wants things to be the way they are right now because the brain, it's wired for survival, my friends, and it fears, it has this fear of the unknown and it's deep and it's evolutionary and it's always going to be there if you don't learn how to manage it. That's right. That's so key. Yeah, huge. Well, we're out of time. I think that's just a great place to end it right there with that statement. Cool, man. You can't manage your brain. You're never going to get there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thank this you, Wade. I appreciate it. That was fun. Yeah, this is great. And uh, good luck on finishing up your launch. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Have a good one.